Welcome! You are listening to the Bad Sports Town Podcast. I am Jackson Martin, alongside me as always, co-host Ben Weinrib, and we got a special guest today, Cutler Klein from Penalty Box Radio, uh, Vanderbilt Hustler, worked for the NHL, worked for the Golden Knights. Cutler, you got anything else on your resume I can throw out here? <laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, v- Vandy Radio and VTV, I suppose, do those as well here at, at can't, Vanderbilt. Can't forget those. Absolutely not. So, yeah, so we brought Cutler on because uh, Ben and I, for the first time in show history, want to talk about hockey. I am I'm excited for that. Yeah, I've been to four NHL games, all in college with the Preds, and that's really scratching the limit of my hockey knowledge right there. Yeah, it's it, it. I gotta say, it's really the most fun sport live, in my opinion, and especially in get come playoff time. Yeah, I think uh, playoff hockey is like its own completely different animal of everything. Uh, I am, since the Thrashers moved out of Atlanta, probably like at best a, a casual hockey fan, but I watch as much of the playoffs as possible. Which I still think would put you like in the top. 25% of Americans, if not 5% of Americans in terms of hockey fans. That's probably true, although I was thinking about it. Uh, I've, I've actually been writing a piece the last couple of days about how much fun it's been to be a, uh, a quote-unquote bandwagon fan for the Predators. And it's actually one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about sports in the last couple of years. Uh, and I realized I, I can probably name about five different guys on the Predators, and I've watched a lot of them the last two years. I recognize guys, but if you ask me to start naming off their top three lines, uh, I, I'm going to run out of names really quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, the, these these current Winnipeg Jets have a lot of those kind of old guard players, I mean, Dustin Bufflin and Blake Wheeler and guys like that, but I mean... This is a team that has kind of transformed itself over the last few years into kind of an offensive juggernaut, if I'm being honest. They're, they've got that, and they've, now they finally got a solid goaltender. So I think this has kind of almost been, I, I hate to say it because it's really unfair, but it's been kind of a, you know, a slow build since coming to Winnipeg. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think this has been a weird playoffs for me because it's kind of the first first time Winnipeg's been relevant since since the Thrashers moved there. Uh, I told Eric Single, another uh, Vanderbilt hustler, former editor, that if Winnipeg does happen to go all the way, I'm absolutely making some zombie Thrasher shirts. <laughs> Perfect. Just, just have the Atlanta Thrashers logo just frozen in ice or frozen in the, in the tundra of Manitoba. Do you have any... Do you have any Thrasher's gear? Do I have any Thrasher's gear? Ben, <laughs> Ben, 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 Ben. Uh, I have three Thrasher's jerseys, uh, a T-shirt or two, a couple of stickers, bumper stickers. Uh, and I am constantly on the hunt on eBay for more. I was going to say, I've really enjoyed collecting Charlotte Bobcat gear, which isn't quite the same because technically... I've started doing the- that since I moved to Charlotte too, actually. It's amazing because it's actually pretty cheap, even though you'd almost think that it'd be more expensive because there's no more Charlotte Bobcats jerseys being produced. But for whatever reason, you can get some really cool stuff. And the Bobcats were so hilariously bad the whole time that it's a great joke. 
get that Adam Morrison jersey. Oh, yeah. I even own a a Thrasher's jersey. I have an old blank one. Um, But, I mean, the, the, the thing that I find interesting is that the Thrasher's biggest fans seem to have caught caught Vegas fever as well. Lil John is all in for the Golden Knights now. Well, I, I mean, you know, he he doesn't turn down for much, but uh, he's he's got to find something for hockey. Sorry, I got distracted looking at Adam Morrison Charlotte Bobcats jerseys on eBay. Uh, I got a Reebok one for forty bucks, Ben. If you're interested, that's a, that's a steal at twice the price. Oh my God! Charlotte Bobcats Youth Large, Adam Morrison number thirty-five Mustache Mania. Twenty-four dollars. That's a steal at twice the price. I've got way too many Bobcats jerseys. I've got a Mecca Okafor, Stephen Jackson, Tyrus Thomas, Matt Carroll. I used to have a Gerald Wallace. It's really just too many to wear. I don't wear. I never wear ba- basketball jerseys anyway, so they just kind of sit in my closet, so I can look at them and smile. Now, Ben, what you have to get is this. It makes no sense with the timeline, but a Jeff Taylor Bobcat. Oh jersey. yes, oh, I was nice. so thrilled when they drafted him, and that career went nowhere, unfortunately. I thought of the of the three bandy guys who came out that year: Jeff Taylor, John Jenkins. Infestus Azili, I thought Jeff Taylor was the safest bet to at least, like, maybe not ever start, but just play in the NBA for 10 years. Yeah, I have a feeling if he were drafted, like, by the Spurs, that he could be Danny Green easy. But, you know, so much of the NBA is also where you get placed. And he had some off-the-court issues, but Charlotte was not the best place for him. No. So we've managed to take our NHL podcast and immediately start talking about the Charlotte Bobcats, which I think is fantastic. Only good podcasts do that. That's true. Uh, as, as Zach Lowe would say, this podcast has gone totally off the rails. <laughs> so so going back to like actual hockey, while, while we can stay on track for this, so Cutler, the, the top two seeds or the top seed in each conference here, both from non-traditional hockey markets. You got the Predators out in the West, Tampa Bay out in the East. Uh, and then you've also got your other division winners are Las Vegas and the Washington Capitals. It's a it's a big year for for non-traditional hockey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Washington's been around since 1974, so it's kind of hard to call them quote-unquote non-traditional at this point, but they're not an original six, and they're not at a 1967 expansion team when the league doubled in size. You know, this is a year in which there are just a lot of teams that have been building for a while finally kind of coming through. I mean, Tampa's been good for a few years. They've been you know, a, a juggernaut. They made the cup final in a, cu- a couple of years ago, had some unfortunate injury issues that have kept them out of the playoffs kind of I've, a couple of times in this Stamkos era. But this is, it's a banner year for the way the NHL has strategized in terms of growing the game. And the thing is that all four of those markets are fantastic hockey markets. Nashville is off the rails in terms of how incredible it is. Everyone saw that last year. Tampa's got a really, really strong hockey culture there. I think that's probably, you know, at this point, their top sport there, the top sport that they support, unless the Buccaneers can put things together in the next few years. And Vegas, alert, they won't. (laughs) And Vegas, 
they have really taken to that team there. And the thing that I found when I was out there is that there are a lot of people, and other people have said this to me as well, that there are people there that may not know hockey, but they have a professional, major professional team in Vegas, and they're going to support them no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I'm kind of curious about. So when the Raiders move out there next season? After next? I'm not sure how that's going. Like in a year from now? It might be another two seasons, but because the, the, the stadium spot right now, right behind Mandalay Bay, is kind of just a, a, a little pit there right now. Right. So I guess whenever the Raiders get there, I wonder how the culture will change between the two teams because it's way easier to get behind one team than two. And the Raiders have their own identity already. But maybe it's a multiplier. Who knows? And and at the same time, though, Vegas is such an event city that I think you have to treat it a little differently than other cities. I mean, it's a place that just gets up for events. I know, Cutler, you've been out there for the rugby tournament the last couple of years. Uh, it's a city that I think supports these teams, but also it's a city where just people like going to stuff. And I think that, oh, that absolutely. helps, you know, and, and putting a hockey team in there that plays there 41 times a year, I think that's huge. And, and I don't think the eight Raiders games are going to take away from that all that much. No, no certainly not. And I, and I almost feel like that, you know, it's kind of two different groups of people. I mean, I don't know, you know, the Raiders fans from Oakland might follow them to Las Vegas. And, you know, that's going to be a huge boon on weekends for, you know, opposing fans to come and travel but I mean the the thing that I've found is that Vegas has a lot of really strong local communities and really outside of the strip it's really a a big kind of family atmosphere it's a place to raise to you know raise a family and those people come out to these games as well and I think going into this Vegas Vegas expansion people are wondering you know is it just going to become a bunch of tourists coming for their for their road teams when they come to Vegas and I think it's been a both it's been both local fans coming out and supporting predominantly and also they've been able to capitalize on the tourist market where teams just come in and their fans follow them yep for sure i I would also be remiss if if i didn't also mention that las vegas hosts a wonderful nascar race weekend that has been so successful they've actually expanded it this year to two race weekends so we'll be racing there twice this year it's just a city that does a really good job of supporting events and and especially sports teams i really hope those races are in like early spring late fall yes they are they are in april and september avoiding the worst of it yeah yeah nascar does do a pretty good job of we racing in warm places at the beginning and end of the season for the most part and then some more northern places during the summer so what's like the premier August, July races? So it's changed a lot recently. Uh, now it's probably going to be Indianapolis is the regular season finale. Uh, and that is in September. That's probably going to be your, your big sort of late summer one now. It used to be in June. I just can't imagine that racing in the heat of the summer is in any way enjoyable for these good people. No, it's not. It's as uh the cockpits of those cars get up to like 160 degrees it's it looks pretty miserable all right so color i wanted to i had a question for you about the golden knights so every league does expansion differently and in most leagues expansion teams take a long time to get 
good. Like back to the Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> you know, it takes them like a decade to make the playoffs. And in baseball, the Diamondbacks were able to make the playoffs, I think, in their second year. But it, it's obviously challenging, and the way you draft is different in each league. How did the draft end up for the Golden Knights that they were able to be so good? Did they draft well? Was the draft stacked in a way that you could only protect so many players? What did the Knights, Golden Knights do well? I've heard a lot about this lately. Everyone is talking about, oh, oh the, the league set up the, the Golden Knights to be successful. There were the favorable expansion rules or whatever. That's completely missing the point here. The point here is that George McPhee is a genius in terms of the way he has built this team. He managed to find so many diamonds in the rough. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I think it's it's a testament to just how well his team, him and his team scouted a lot of these teams and were able to find players that were underappreciated on, their se- on those teams, namely William Carlson. He had six goals last year, and he had 40-plus this year. That's Jesus. remarkable. It's absolutely incredible. And, it's a, and, you know, I don't think even he expected to have 40 goals this year, but the fact that they could see that this guy was being sheltered in Columbus and was, and was not and was, could, have produ- could produce more in Vegas was pretty neat. And not only that, but being able to get as much out of certain teams as possible. I mean, look, were there perfect picks for all 30 other teams? No. You know, the Tampa with Tampa Bay, they took Jason Garrison, who spent got a lot of the year in the minors. He's a good player and a good guy, but it, it, you know, they didn't fleece every team, but they were able to maximize their potential. The be, I think the team that they really got the best out of was Florida. They managed to pick Jonathan Marchessault and somehow get Riley Smith out of it too. Those two guys were just electric this year, and I think if those two guys remain on Florida, they're a playoff team easily. So before the year, if you had to venture a guess of how they do, did you think that they could have been a playoff team? No, I don't think they were going to be a playoff team. I don't think anybody really thought they would be a playoff team, much less win their division. Did I think they would be the worst team in the league? No, I think they would have been competitive. They would they would win some games. They would probably finish in the bottom third of the league, but not you know worse by any stretch of the imagination. I would imagine they'd be better than teams like Arizona, Vancouver, Buffalo, all those kinds of teams. But I, this has just been incredible, and I think that it, spe- it just speaks to, once again, George McPhee put together a team of people that were shunned by their team, picked pride in a coach that was shunned by his team in the Florida Panthers, and put together a, a, just a team with the biggest chip on their shoulder in, in sports history, and they've managed to come out and prove <laughs> to everyone that these players deserve, to, to deserve respect. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and I would also uh, add, as a uh, goalie person, they got a pretty good goalie, too. That sort of helps oh, smooth out a lot of other issues. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing is that they got Flurry from the expansion draft. Everyone knew that was going to happen. But they got Malcolm Subban off of waivers from Boston before the season started. Their other goalie pick, pick, pick was Calvin, Picard, uh, Calvin Pickard. And they <laughs> traded him, and they, they got Malcolm Subban. And he was for real this year. He had to step in in long stretches. They, they, at one point, they got down to playing a late-round draft pick in an emergency call-up role in Dylan Ferguson because they had so many goalies out. And they still managed to get make their way 
to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and possibly further. I mean, that's that's really, really remarkable. Malcolm Subban should should be noted younger brother of Predator star P.K. Subban. I would venture to guess that everyone on this podcast is a big Subban brother fan. I mean, when they came to Nashville together and they played against each other, PK's dad, PK and Malcolm's dad was there. They took a photo on the ice. It was it was incredible. It was one of those moments that you you don't you it, you don't see very often. That was awesome. Uh, PK has been my favorite player in the NHL for a couple of years now, uh, and so when he came to Nashville, that was sort of what solidified, I think, me becoming an, an, an earnest Preds fan and not just that was the closest place and the place I'd seen a couple of games. Yeah, PK, I feel like that trade, as much as David Poyle, the Predators general manager, had been building up to this for a little while, to be trying to build up to this team, that trade just kind of accelerated everything and thrust the team right into that spotlight. Whether it, whether it translated on the ice during their first regular season, it, it, it really didn't. They slipped in as the eighth seed and then made the final. But that trade represented a real kind of growing up moment for the for the franchise because Weber had been there for years. He had been the face of this team, the heart and soul of the team. He was the he was the Nashville Predators, basically. And to trade him for a superstar, not just in hockey, in sports in general, and in pop culture, it's he's seeped into that. PK Subban is a superstar in every definition of the word. And he's been able to come in and be the player that they expected him to be and to be the personality that they expected him to be. And it's to be honest, for the way the Predators are trying to grow their brand, it's a great kind of mutual relationship. It, it, in Montreal, P.K. Subban was running into kind of the hockey old guard and that he was trying to promote his own personal brand didn't sit well with that organization. The fans loved him. The people in Montreal loved him. But the organization, kind of the oldest, <laughs> oldest hockey organization in the league, that didn't it didn't sit well with them in Nashville. He said, "Look, you can grow your own brand, and you and you'll grow ours, and we'll help to our best to grow yours as best we can too." Absolutely, I, I like that you use the phrase "growing up" in regards to the Predators fan base there, because uh, I was flipping through and, and doing a little bit of research for the podcast. Uh, it's something that always sort of rubs me the wrong way is the way that the the Thrashers' attendance numbers sort of got used as the as the impetus for them being moved to Winnipeg. You know what I found out from 2002 to 2008? Thrashers had better attendance than the Predators did. And I think it's it's a good case study in that with these non-traditional markets, they do sort of have to grow into themselves. It, and it really is a growing process because now you'd say Nashville's fan base is the envy of probably 25 other teams in the league. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't always the case. It, it's something that really does take some time with a sport like this. And, and so it's been so cool to see how it has taken over in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, the city here has just fallen in love with this team. It's it's unlike anything in sports right now. You know, during the Stanley Cup final last year, seeing thousands upon thousands of people downtown People doing anything they can to get in, to get there to be able to be just be a part of it, even if you don't get into the arena, it's really something incredibly special. And you know, the thing about comparing it to Atlanta, and I think that stretch that you mentioned, in which the the Thrashers had better attendance than the Predators, for a good chunk of that stretch, the Thrashers might have had a better team 
than Nashville. I mean, the 2007 Predators were ridiculous. Or maybe it might have been 2006, 2007. They mm-hmm. had Peter Forsberg and Paul Correa and yep. a lot of other guys, young, younger guys. But during that time, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk coming up, Dustin Bufflin starting to get into the league. That was an up-and-coming team. But what I think ultimately hurt them is just not making the playoffs. Yep. When you they made the playoffs once and got swept when they were in and they were in Atlanta, I think the Predators having that many playoff Damn you, runs. Sean Avery. Yeah. <laughs> it, having that many playoff runs in Nashville definitely helped because people here knew how loud that app, the Bridgestone Arena gets during the playoffs. It's been going on that way for a decade now, and it it was just a matter of the rest of the hockey world discovering how amazing it was. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the, the issues in Atlanta were, were bad teams and especially a bad ownership group, um, which is something that, that Nashville sort of managed to overcome here. One thing I want to mention about uh, Nashville is that it is so great that Bridgestone Arena is right on Broadway. And I'm sure Jack and oh God, Jackson yeah. can attest to the fact that having suburban stadiums is terrible. Uh, it's it's awful. It's and, and especially in a city like Nashville, I think you even see the Titans are hurt by even with how close their stadium is to Broadway, it being across the river, it's a completely different atmosphere. Yeah, it, it's it's different. And I think you can the the comparison is really to the Florida Panthers in this case in the NHL because their stadium is out in Sunrise, which is neither Fort Lauderdale nor Miami. And it's the kind of thing that they were originally downtown of Miami with the Heat. And if, if they had kept in a arena arrangement with the Miami Heat, then I think it could have been a lot different for them in terms of just the way the fans supported them. And look, they have great fans there. They have a, they're, they, I think they're finally kind of turning things around. They have a really stable ownership. They have some good players. They have a good base there. But, I mean, that, that arena is just, you know, it, it's, it's not downtown. <laughs> not downtown anything. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the the Panthers because Cutler, I want to play actually Cutler and Ben. I want to play a trivia game with you. All right. All right. Okay. So, as you may know, my favorite hockey player of all time, non-goalie division, is Yarmir Yager. The yep. last team that he played in the NHL with was the Florida Panthers. He I, played with the Calgary Flames for a little bit this year. Oh, did he? Oh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Okay, well, you played at the Panthers recently. So, I am going to name a couple of teams here, and I want you both to tell me whether you think Yarmir Yager actually played for them or not. All right, why don't you let me go first, because Cutler presumably will be much better at this game. Okay. I don't know about that, Ben. All right, start you off with an easy one. New York Rangers. Um, I mean, easy. I'm, I'm just going to say yes here. Yeah, he did. Okay. Philadelphia Flyers. I'm going to go no. I think he did at one point or another. Yes, that is correct. He played for the Philadelphia Flyers in 2011. All right. The Tampa Bay Lightning. That's a hard yes. Cutler? Uh, I'm going to say no. He did not play for oh. the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> All right. The Washington Capitals. 
I'm going to keep going, yes. Yeah, he did. He did. He played for them back when they had those great, like, teal and gold jerseys. With the, with the eagle on them and the yes. the picture of the Capitol building, those are sick. I wish they'd bring those back as an those, alternate. Those were great. The Dallas Stars. That one is a yes. Yep. Yep. Yes, he did. 2012, he played uh, 34 games for them. The New Jersey Devils. Devils. I'll say no. And is he the Bartolo Colon of hockey? Yes, if Bartolo Colon was ever like a perennial MVP candidate. Yes. Yeah. And, and he also he did play for the Devils. Okay. Yes, he did. Boston Bruins. <laughs> That's, I know for a fact he did. I think he played with Jerome Aginla for a little bit, who is so my I favorite. I really don't know how you would remember that because he played 11 games there. He, he, he was a dead he was traded. He was a late deadline acquisition, yeah. 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 Yes, he did. All right. Um, we've established the Florida Panthers and the Calgary Flames. All right, last one, the Nashville Predators. No. No, P didn't. But, but people were calling for them to sign him, and I think he would have looked even slower than he did with Calgary if he had been able to put in Peter Laviolette's system. That would have been so great. No, he did not play for the Predators, but I I have been considering purchasing a National Predators Yarmir Yager jersey just because I think most people wouldn't know enough to question if he actually played there. Fair enough. So, uh, I guess back to actual hockey that's happening. Cutler, the, the Predators are up 3-1 to one on the Avalanche uh, after last night, and Philip Forsberg has scored two of the best goals that I've seen this season. <laughs> a, a, two of the best goals of all time, in, in a certain sense, because, oh, Philip Forsberg is the kind of person that every single time he steps on the ice, he can do something crazy. Even if it's not a goal, just any sort of little individual play is insane absolutely crazy so yeah he 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 just take over games and that's another guy who who came to the predators from a trade Ugh, r.i.p seth jones wrong trade whatever close enough (laughs) (laughs) that that wasn't that wasn't wasn't a trade though though. (laughs) still breaks my heart No, uh, I I don't even I remember he came from the Capitals, but I do not remember who got shipped out for him. It was uh, for, like the Capitals. It was Forsberg for Martin Erat and Michael Latta, and then the later on it was Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. Uh, yeah, Johansson, mm. Forsberg, same thing. Yeah, that 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 one worked out for the Predators pretty well too. Yeah, he's been just a force for them. And he was kind of – he came in before Peter Laviolette even did as the head coach. And he it was one of those trades that they were just – that they it was the, really one of the beginnings of this process of turning this team into a complete offensive juggernaut. A complete offensive juggernaut with maybe the best goalie in the league? He, least, if he's not named best, best goalie in the league this year, it's a travesty because he should win that. He should win the Vezina Trophy by a long mile. Because he was the main reason that they made the Stanley Cup Finals last year, right? 
Yeah, he played out of his mind for most of that playoff run, and everyone kind of talks about, oh, Pecorine is aging, and he's not as good as he used to be, and he's going to cost them series. No, he's still in his in tip-top shape. And like fine wine. Yes, and the reason that that's happening is because they're cutting down his regular season games little by little. This year he played just under 60 games. Last year he played 61 in the regular season. And by resting him up more in the regular season, they're allowing him to be fresher and more and more ready to, to dominate in the postseason. Well, we've seen that strategy in the NBA too. I mean, you don't see Dwayne Wade playing much in the regular season and then he explodes and steals a win against the Sixers. And LeBron's done that. The Spurs have done that. It works. Yeah, it does. The the key to making a, a cup final is just to have hot goaltending. That's the way you have to do it. That's the baseline for even doing it. Because if, you, if, you, if you're leaky, if you let in a few big goals, it, it doesn't really work out for you. Yeah, I, I think there's that adage that gets thrown around that, that you can really win in the playoffs if you just have a hot goalie. And I do think you see that sometimes, but but you have teams like the Preds that have so much offense that they can overcome something like that. Yeah, they've yeah. definitely built that up. And what the thing that they've really built this year that from last year to this year is just pure depth. Last year, they were missing Kevin Fiala by the Stanley Cup final. They were missing Ryan Johansson, and that really hurt them on the offensive end. So this year, they've built in a system in which they have a few players scratched that could very easily slide into the lineup. Mika Salamaki was scratched last night. Cali Arncroke came back into the lineup after a long injury absence. Scott Hartnell's waiting in the wings. Ailey Tolvanen, who they brought over from the KHL this year, is waiting in the wings as well, if needed. So they have some depth to be able to withstand injuries that come up. Or in the case of Ryan Hartman, probably what's going to happen tomorrow is a suspension for a high hit in Game 4. Yeah, I think you got us stumped. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, you got way too into the, the real, uh, real on-ice stuff there, Cut, where you, you're playing with two rookies here. Yeah, I it's I'm I know I'm kind of talking uh, talking rocket science here in a certain sense with it, but you know that's it, it. Just from watching this team, in in a, in a sense, this is the kind of hockey that is going to grow hockey across the country because it's electric, it's fast, it's fun. This is a team that not only is fun to watch on the ice, but just has fun. At the end of every game and the players come off the ice, P.K. Subban gives everyone high fives, and he does a little tradition. Last off is Ryan Johansson. They'll do, do a little spin around and then have a big high five with a P.K. leg kick. So th- <laughs> this is a team that's just that I think America can get behind. I, 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 I don't like to use the term America's team, but, they, but I think the rest of the country can get behind this team. Absolutely. And and to make another poor comparison to an Atlanta team here, I think it's a little similar to what Atlanta United's been doing over in the MLS, where it's just it's just the funnest damn team to watch ever. I and mean, they they press up high, they go for it, they score goals, and they might not win every game, although they've been really, really good. But it's a fun team and one that fans are gonna come out to see whether they're the best team in the league or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I talked to somebody during the regular season, and I mean, they said if it's something catastrophic would have to happen if the final is not Tampa versus uh, Tampa versus Nashville, 
the real test is going to come for Nashville in the second round against those Jets because those that's going to be a really fun, fast-paced series. But I think you know a Tampa-Nashville final this year would be unreal. And Tampa is a really fast, deep team. The problem is I don't think their goalie is up to par with this, especially given how much he's had to carry the load in this season. Yeah, for sure. So, so what what are my chances of getting a Nashville Nashville Tampa Stanley Cup final? You think? Given the way these two teams have started out, pretty good. It's just a matter of those second round series, in my opinion, because the the match a matchup of two really really good teams is going to happen on both sides, Nashville and and Winnipeg, in all likelihood, and in the second round in the East, it'll be Tampa and Boston. Those are two really good teams. And look, that's not a guarantee. Nashville, would, if they get through that, would probably have to play Vegas or San Jose, neither of which are very easy teams to beat. And in the East, it would probably be either Columbus or Washington against Pittsburgh. And those teams are really good too. So there's no easy route through here. But it's, you know, the likelihood is pretty good at this point. Nice. All right. So if we get a Nashville Vegas Western Conference Finals, Cutler, you as a as a credentialed Predators media member, but also a former Vegas employee, who are you rooting for? I'm not rooting for anybody. I'm a I'm a credentialed <laughs> journalist it. here. I Jackson. thought I was going to get you. There. I will be there. Yeah. But what I will enjoy is having just turned 21 and being able to fly back and forth between Nashville and Las Vegas. I think that would be a very fun time. Don't don't have too much fun. <laughs> I, I I think it would uh, it would be the end of the hockey media to having that much time in both Nashville and Las Vegas. Oh man! So I I haven't been to Vegas since the night started playing. Where where is their arena on the strip or or is their it the arena T Mobile Arena is nestled in between New York New York and the Monte Carlo, and wow. it's wow. it's in a perfect location so there's a shake shack across the street from it yes indeed there is and there's a shake shack coming to nashville too so you'll never be without shake shack and they're building (laughs) one in charlotte too so finn ever decides to come back home (laughs) (laughs) no that's uh i mean that that's awesome And, and it's really cool i think especially for me to see this diversity of teams that are good uh in the playoffs and and not feeling like you're watching the same five teams over and over again i think i think it's really good for the sport i think it shows how the sport's grown uh and and where it can go to yeah and i think it's it's a testament to a few things it's a testament to the people that have run these teams in non-traditional markets and it's a testament to the league for just putting together such a great plan of expansion throughout the South, the Sun Belt, and into the West. And I think it's only going to continue in the next couple of years. Perhaps there will be a team in Seattle, team number 32. But I think it's just taken to also how much the game of hockey has grown across the country just by putting it there. And the thing that has always been said is that if you just give people the game, you show it to them, they're going to fall in love with it. And they've done a really good job of that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, last thing, Cutler and Ben, actually, I'll put you both on the spot. Give me All your right. Stanley Cup final predictions. I had originally said Nashville versus Toronto, 
I'm not sure if that's going to happen, and I'm going to switch it up to a less bold but still bold pick. Nashville, Columbus. Mm, I like it. Well, I'm a uh, smart enough person to listen to experts, but I'm not going to go with the one-and-one seeds. So I'll go Preds and Bruins. That's a very reasonable pick. I figured that picking the two teams with the highest points or with uh, <laughs> hard to go wrong. I'll uh, I'll keep the Predators thing going, but from the East, uh, I'm going to go with the Washington Capitals. Wow. Yeah. Caps year. Yeah. Caps year. <laughs> but no way. C A P apostrophe gonna... S year. <laughs> in all likelihood, what's going to happen is that Winnipeg's going to beat Nashville and, and absolutely rip my heart out of my chest. Uh, that would be that would be tough, but it's not. Not unplausible, but that's not a word. Not not it, it's plausible yeah, to see that happen. It's not unplausible. Love it. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for jumping on with us, Cutler. Uh, had a great time talking hockey, and looking forward to watching the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, this was Bad Sports Town Podcast, and we hope to see you again next time.